the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Americans are becoming less faith-filled, especially among young adults, according to a new poll. Judging by such markers as church attendance, prayer, and belief in God, the trend is more pronounced among young adults. In fact, the share of U.S. adults who say they're absolutely certain that God exists fell 63% in 2015 from 71% just a scant six years before. The percentage of Americans who pray every day, attend church services regularly, and consider religion important in their lives is also down. The trend most pronounced among young adults, as we say, with only half of those born between 1990 and 1996 absolutely certain of their belief in God, compared to 71% of those born between 1928 and 1945. But in spite of these trends, the thirst for something real is as high as it has ever been. So what do we make of this? And as we look at some of the events taking place around the world with uh, the explosion of global terrorism and the increase of, of the Islamic threat around the planet, um, can we conclude that Christianity is dead, or is there an awakening that is slowly beginning to take place in perhaps some places that we would least likely to expect it? With some answers, we're joined now by evangelist and best-selling author Nikki Cruz. You know of him, of course, as uh, the subject of the wildly famous book, The Cross and the Switchblade, also author of Run, Baby, Run, which has been translated into more than 40 languages worldwide. Nikki, by the way, is going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area for a couple of very special events coming up at the end of April. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. Meanwhile, Nikki Cruz, great to have you on the program. Thank you so much, uh, Greg. I'm, I'm so very happy to to hear somebody from the Bay Area because my wife, she was from there. That's when I stole Gloria away from, from the Bay Area, and I took her to the East Coast, to New York. So I'm so happy to hear somebody from the West Coast. Well, and we're pleased to have you coming to the San Francisco Bay Area in April, and we'll share more details in a little bit. But I want to first give some perspective to this poll that I mentioned here, uh, indicating that uh, young people in particular in America seem to be becoming less faith-filled or, or less religious. And yet, in spite of these trends, there's some amazing things taking place in parts of the world that otherwise we would have thought would be the last place that God would be afoot with a special move of his Holy Spirit. Now, you have had two major crusades um, in, in the past months. Uh, you've just returned from a massive crusade all across Argentina, where literally tens of thousands of people were attending um, evangelistic services all across the country. But I want to go back even further to your visit to France 
in May of a year ago. Now, once again, of course, Europe very much in the news, most recently with the Islamic attacks in Brussels, Belgium. Of course, we know that Paris was the victim of those horrific attacks, first at the offices of the uh, satire magazine Charlie Hebdo, more recently the Paris attacks. Tell us what is God doing in France today? Uh, you know, Craig, I do believe that uh, the condition in the United States uh, have been, uh, in a way, uh, especially the Christians, uh, we we have let this thing happen. Uh, this is spiritual decay or this is spiritual situation because some way, somehow, uh, we always look America, the, the, the country or the free. But when you go to Europe or you go to, like I've been all over the area from from Russia to to Latvia and and Italy, other places. I find now that France, I did 17 tours there, crusades, and in Paris, that place where they killed the 80 people. I was I was the last person who spoke there, and there were small people outside and inside. And there, I want to I want to warn the people in the United States that the people in France they are, are waking up because they began to feel. The same thing that you were saying in the beginning, that there was a tremendous spiritual emptiness. And these things, they are now, they are open because every place that I went, it was so packed that there was more people outside than inside. And the hungry of the people, the young people. You know, there, there was a place that they, they have about over 3,000 young people, they spend three days just praying and worshiping the Lord and asking the Lord to take them all over France so they can evangelize France. So, so the fear is there. Yes, the fear is there. But this fear has bring a tremendous revival of faith. People began to, uh, to awaken to the situation that the only thing that is left out that there's a God that came to this earth by the name of Jesus Christ that could be the answer for all this situation that is taking place. It was amazing how people run to the altar. I was in a place that it was more Muslims. Right there, there was over, over about close to 5,000 of, of them. And you should see the way they were running to the altar. And, and it, it, it was amazing. And, and, and in Leon, uh, they have to have about four different places to accommodate the people from the main place. And, and, and people, you didn't have to put, you didn't have to put a show. You just be yourself. You just let the Holy Spirit work through you. And, 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 and Greg, if you go over there, they are open. They began to be more open. Uh, they're more concerned about American evangelists that many we have going over there with the spirit of prosperity and all these things, and they were, that, that that's the reason they closed. But they began to see that the other people, many Christians, uh, uh, people that they know that they have the facts that you spoke about the facts. That is the thing that that they are looking for. They're looking for reality, and right now they're looking for their own country, for the all uh, the young people and the pastor. They are doing. Every everything to stir up the spirit of the youth. 
Yeah, the amazing thing is that uh, Europe, of course, had been the cradle of not only Western civilization, but Christianity for centuries. Then we've seen this slow trend toward secular humanism, but it, perhaps particularly in the wake of some of these horrific terrorist attacks that uh, people in France, particularly young people, as you say, Nikki, uh, have a hunger for something real. They see the, the emptiness in, in, in wealth and finance and prosperity. Uh, they see the futility of, of many of what the occults try to offer. At the end of the day, they see politics is certainly not an answer, and they're looking for something real upon which to build their lives and give them a sense of hope. And of course, that singularly exists in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you think some of this trend, too, is because of the response out of fear? We certainly saw it here in America after the 9-11 attacks, where churches were filled to the rafters on the Sundays immediately following that, when people realized, I think, just how fragile life really is. Yes, I, 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 you've got a point there. Uh, I believe that, that I've, uh, and I think that, uh, that I'm going back again I, 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 in September. I'm going back. And, I'm going, and this time, they have a place that accommodates about 10,000, and they're going to be, I want to spend two nights with the gypsy. The gypsy, they follow me all over, like a caravan. And sometimes they come for 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 24 hours and then pack themselves to to get into the the crusades. In this time, I want to go to them, and then I'm going to go to Paris, and then I'm going to go to Lyon and other 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 city. About and this time, I'm going to go to seven city, and I'm going to just go over there. And a lot of people t- uh, tell me, especially my my pastor told me, why you pick the most dangerous area. And I say, because I died. I died when I was 19 years old when I gave my life to Jesus. I'm just resurrected. There's nothing else but to give your life totally to Jesus Christ and to do what Christ, he is the protector. He's the one who keep you, uh, keep you with that kind of spirit uh, of resurrection. So, so there's no fear here. The only thing that is here is go and do and make disciples just like Jesus told us to do, and 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 I'm so happy. I, when I left, I, I I left very tired because you got to go by airplane, train, cars, and all of buses and all of this, and it took me about two weeks to recuperate. But man, when I saw the glory of the Lord coming down in a magnificent, humble way, and I saw young people crying. Uh, if, if, if the office sends you a, a, a video where you can see these children, this kid, teenager, crying, sobbing so hard. This is French kid, blue eyes, all kinds. And, and, and the people in the hotels, in the street, in the restaurant where we used to come, we used to talk about Jesus. And, and they were happy. That's something. That's, and that happened in Argentina. Argentina, there was no place that could hold the crowd. They said the, the, the play was so packed, the stadium was so packed that there's people, there was more people outside, and they had to listen. And when I made the altar call, they were coming from everywhere, from the street. They used to make the, the ways right through, through the crowd and come forward to give their life to Jesus Christ. I do believe in, in the days of Billy Graham. I do believe in the day of Dave Wilkerson. I take the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, 
to really bring convictions into the hearts of the people. And right now, the United States, I'm concerned because the United States have become a, a place uh, that drugs are taking, is taking place. And you know what is, what is dangerous, Greg? What I see that is dangerous is that the prescription drugs, it is the thing that is, is infiltrated not only the, 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 the ghetto, but the middle class and the upper middle class. And one pill, just one pill, just to ease the pain, the physical pain, when this is more a, 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 a spiritual pain, a soul pain, one pill costs $80. So what happened is that these people, rich people, then go in the street, and there they find out that heroin is cheaper. And that's the reason you heard all this news, that our city are turning it into heroin streets. Because and the young people, they are, they, are, they are caught up into any kind of drugs that can make them high. And and the United States, we feel that what happened, is we, we, we cut up in the books of number, and we forgot to walk through the pages of the book of Acts, where there's action, miracle, signs, wonder. This is not different, by the way. This is ready to explode. Either we go all the way here and lay our life for the truth, for who Christ is, and this nation can be changed. Because right now, Argentina has a revival. There's a revival in Argentina. The president, the new president, is, is, open, is open for everything. The other one who left, it was a communist. So, so I, I do believe God has something to do with all of this. If you've just joined our conversation, our visitation today with evangelist Nikki Cruz. Nikki, by the way, is coming to the San Francisco Bay Area. He's going to be speaking on Thursday, April the 21st at 7 p.m. at Christian Cathedral. That's located at 2433 Coolidge Avenue in Oakland. And then on Sunday, April the 24th at 1 p.m. at Victory Outreach Hayward. Complete details available on Nikki's website at NikkiCruz.org. That's NikkiCruz.org. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline. Craig Roberts along with our special guest, Evangelist Nikki Cruz. He's going to be in town, by the way, speaking Thursday, April the 21st, 7 p.m. at Christian Cathedral. That's at 2433 Coolidge Avenue in Oakland. And then on Sunday, April the 24th at 1 p.m. at Victory Outreach in Hayward. Complete details available at NikkiCruz.org. That's NikkiCruz.org. You were mentioning just before the break, Nikki, about uh, this question of going into um, some of the most dangerous areas that you visited, not only in Argentina, but uh, even in, in France as well. And I think this idea of going into the areas where there is the greatest danger, because quite frankly, there is the greatest need, isn't there? That's correct. Uh, that's correct. And, and I try to believe that if we go by fear, we are we're going to be defeated. But at the same time, we have to have discerning and be smart. But the areas that we go, you stand there, and, and, and really the Muslims, they just stand from the outside, listen 
about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and yet, uh, we began to feel like what happened in Paris, that the police had to come and get me out because there were too many people. And they were afraid that there's going to be uh, an attack. So there was about 40 pol- policemen, uh, men and women, and all of these things. And just in the middle of the auto call, then ushered me and then took me to the hotel. And, and, and then uh, I could not go for, this, uh, for the second night and the third night. But the thing is, I'm going to go back. But I told the people, this place is too small. You're going to have a, a, a situation with people that are coming from everywhere, Chinese people that was there, that was, uh, that was from Africa, from all kinds of different countries, from, from, from Paris, and yet the place was very small. But the, the, the thing I want to tell you is there was another city that, that the place holds 7,000 in the Coliseum, and you had 2,000 people outside. And you should see the way, oh, my Lord. When I was driving to the crusade, I thought that, they, that I, I said, wow, they, they had to open the door for the people to get in. No. No, I saw this beautiful family coming in, eating their sandwich. I don't know. They came for uh, two, uh, two hours driving, and they wanted to be in the crusade. So, so I'm touched. I'm deeply touched, and that's the reason I'm going back. It, it is, it, it is, is, I believe France gonna, gonna, it's gonna be the biggest surprise of all surprise for all the Western world. You know, the interesting thing there's, there's, I think, two commonalities in both your experience in France as well as Argentina. Uh, both countries have dealt with economic challenges. Certainly a tremendous amount of political turmoil. I mean, uh, Argentina alone. Uh, now, there's a brand-new president, uh, Mauricio Marci, who was just elected last year. Uh, he's had to come in as a, a sort of a major head of the cleanup committee to try to deal with the, the economic and political uh, disaster that Argentina has become over recent years. Um, that, coupled with what we've seen of not only the spread of, of secular humanism in France for so long, but most recently the influx of the influence of Islam, and, and the, the attending violence to all of that. Both of these cases would seem to me um, that, Nikki, it has led to a tremendous sense of hunger. The people look at all of this and they say, my goodness, my, my life has become nothing. These young people in particular feel as if they have no future because of what's happening in their nations economically and politically. I wonder if, to a certain degree, we're even seeing the stage set here for that in the United States with not only the statistics that we talked about earlier, but just looking at the, the political turmoil with this election right now. We continue to see a great sense of volatility on Wall Street. The American middle class family is being squeezed out economically. Do you think this is setting the stage here for a potential uh, sense of a tremendous revival in America? It got to be, Craig. There's no other way. It got to be. that. I don't see other way because either we are a bunch of chickens that we cannot speak or either or we allow this progressive movement to come and try to change with all kinds of idealistic uh, uh, ways, and we, the church, just keep silent. So it either leads to tremendous revival or tremendous destruction. The judgment started in the house of the Lord. 
That's what the Bible says. You, you made a comment that I heard in one of your crusades in a video that I saw online in one of your crusades in, in France where you said that we as the church can no longer be passive about evangelism. What did you mean by that? That we cannot, uh, we cannot allow ourselves just to go through this life. The biggest, the biggest shame for every person that says that I'm a born again, that Christ lives in my heart. And that person never, never give a birth to another person. That is the biggest shame that can happen. We got to take it. We got to start witnessing for Jesus Christ. To, uh, that's this thing that you cannot, you cannot talk about Jesus in, in your working place and in all this, in these areas. I do believe, I do believe that this is United States of America. I do believe that the, in the way that this country was built and the way that we believe in God, in Christ, we have to be conscious that we cannot allow anybody from another country to tell us how to live our life because, because that's the way it is. If you go to those countries in the Middle East and all those areas, yes, if you talk about Jesus, then chop your head off. But they can come over here, and they can go ahead, and they can, uh, this is America, the free. And that's, that, that's the way it is. Well, we're going to have to come to a place in our lives that when violence began to take over because in the name of religion, did you have heard anybody uh, that have chopped somebody hurt in the name of Jesus Christ? Yeah, this certainly not. That this is, and then the young people, they, they're so vulnerable so vulnerable, and I think we have been victimized by, by one of the, the, the most advanced technology that, that what is tend to be good, it can end up to be evil. And we have to have control on that because there's too many things, too many dirty things. This is the most uh, disgusting election that I ever have been in my life. This is when our nation is wounded and we need leadership, we, what I feel is that who can be the, our new president? Who can have the heart to, for our, our nation, for our people? And where is the church in this, in this moment? Uh, we are going to walk into the prophetic area of time when we're going to believe a revival just like happened in the book of Acts. Or we're going to be silent. Uh, that's, that's what I feel, Craig. I feel that with all my heart. And I believe that you can be a witness any place that you go with your life. Uh, every, I bring people to Jesus, in, in, in the captain, in, in, in 32,000 feet. I have watched this captain cry like a baby holding my hands and asking Jesus to come into his heart. Just because he found out that I was in the airplane, and he, he said, my wife, I've read your book and all of this, and the cross and Swiss play, I'm wrong, baby, wrong. Is this is the, the real Nicky Cruz? I said, yes. And I, yes, Jesus changed me. And in five minutes, I talked to that man about Jesus. And you know what? It was so moving that, the, the, that he sent the co-pilot, and the co-pilot got converted, too. It, it, right there on the air. This... Jesus is everywhere. Let's take him. Let's take him to the place that he belongs. 
Nicky Cruz with us today. We're um, visiting, talking about not only his recent crusades in Argentina and in France, but as well his upcoming visit to the San Francisco Bay Area. He'll be at Christian Cathedral on Coolidge Avenue in Oakland. That's Thursday, April the 21st at 7 p.m. And then that's Sunday at Victory Outreach in Hayward. That'll be Sunday, April the 24th at 1 p.m. Details on Nikki's website at NikkiCruz.org. That's NikkiCruz.org. Or you can also check out Victory Outreach's website website at VO Oakland. Think of Victory Outreach, VOOkland.org. A brief time out. Back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our special guest today on this edition of Lifeline is evangelist Nikki Cruz. He, of course, the subject of the wildly famous book, The Cross and the Switchblade, also author of Run, Baby, Run, which has been translated into more than 40 languages worldwide. Nikki just recently returned from uh, unbelievably massive crusades all across Argentina in December of last year. And then, of course, earlier, uh, a visit that crisscrossed some 17 different venues in France. And, of course, um, once again, we've seen uh, Europe in the news in the wake of the horrific Islamic uh, terrorist attacks in Brussels. And that growing sense that while there is perhaps less attention being paid to the traditional church, particularly amongst young people, um, it doesn't mean that there's not hunger out there. In fact, some of these false teachings and false religions like Islam uh, are attracting young people, I think, uh, Nikki, because there's a sense of frustration out there. People are looking for something real. They're looking for something that they can call home or feel like they're a part of. In some ways, it's probably not all that different than what you experienced on the streets of Brooklyn when you were a teenager. Uh, Brooklyn, for you, for many years was home. And I guess in, in, a, in a real sense, many of your fellow gang members were like a substitute family, weren't they? Yes, but I remember that <laughs> at that time we were the pioneers of the gangs. We were living in a war zone. This was no... Uh, there was a teenager. We were killing one another. The, the, the street was... Uh, the sidewalk was full of blood of young people killing one another. And I was part of, the, of, of that kind of uh, ugly revolution and, and it took a, a skinny preacher by the name of Wilker, Dave Wilkerson to break through to a place that it was so dangerous that the police warned Dave Wilkerson, don't go over there, they're going to kill him. That place is so dangerous that Dracula and Frankenstein were so afraid to walk in, in that neighborhood. <laughs> and yet here is this a skinny preacher came and just demons started I am not fanatic. I'm very conservative in a way of, of, of speaking in my area. But I do believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that Wilkerson was under the power of the Holy Ghost. He was with, with one of the greatest things that is the signs of the preachers, uh, like you said, Greg, in the, in the radio, you minister, that the boldness that these men have, after I slap him, I spit at him, and I sent him to hell, and I call him every name in the ex-book, and that man said words that only had to be the Holy Spirit, had to be designed by the Holy Spirit, because he didn't have it. He told me right there, I got a message for you, Nikki. I came here to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you. And that's when I spit at him, and I pushed him against the wall, and he was shaking, but at the same time, Right in my very, very eyes, this man has changed 
so rapidly, and boldness came over him. And you know what he told me? He screamed, and there were 300 people there. Kill me. Kill me. I said, what's the matter with this guy? Go ahead. Is that going to make you feel good in front of these people? And I know you can do it. Go ahead and kill me. You can kill me, Nikki, and cut me in thousand pieces, and you can throw them right there on the streets. But remember, every little piece is going to cry out that Jesus loves you. And I tell you, Craig, that is the message that we miss in the boldness of the Holy Spirit to witness for Jesus Christ. And don't be afraid that the Lord is going to be right there when demons have to be trembled because the holiness of Christ is above everything that you can imagine. For that to happen, is it important, in your opinion, for the church to return to its first love? I mean, we, we even see in Scripture the sense that the church oftentimes, I mean, individual believers, we, we, we've grown cold, uh, we're not as enthusiastic about God's Word as we once were, we don't pray like we once did, there's the sense, perhaps, that discipleship is, is not as important to the church, and I wonder if the, the, the lack of boldness in the church today is because we've grown cold against the Lord. It is. It's, it's, I, I, I don't know how you can see it, Craig, because I like you, but I'm a straight, remember? I love you, but I'm a straight. Because uh, today we cannot say to another person, I love you in Christ. But yes, you 110% right. The situation got to be that we are, we are complacent with, 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 with ourselves. We don't see Bijan. We 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 just some way somehow uh, we have been bombarded by so many theology, new theology that God never heard about it. And when you began to see this, uh, people are fascinating. There's some people that are vulnerable, vulnerable for anything. But when you be gullible, that is the signs of a stupidity. I believe that what we have to do, be vulnerable for the Holy Spirit, especially for a sinner. You've got to be vulnerable for, for Jesus to touch your heart. That's what happened to me. And just being a rebel, the Holy Spirit was so strong in that place that I became vulnerable. And then from being vulnerable, I became like a little boy crying out to Jesus to help me to forgive me, hugging my girlfriend. And there are about 25 guys and their girlfriend. That was nothing but a valley of tears. There was moaning and groaning with pain because the abuse that I was abused and I was a little boy. The girls that had been abused, the drugs that was all over, the killing that was in the street. So this, the only way out is somebody who comes with the gospel of Jesus Christ and take it right there into the street. And that's what Wilkerson did. And that's what we're going to do in, uh, in this summer in Milwaukee. Uh, we're going to bombard the whole, uh, the, the whole city of Milwaukee. And the, the, the governor is going to be one of the co-chairmen. And uh, the other lady, uh, she's, she's, she's the one that, uh, that is close to the governor. The, if you watch the television, the, the sheriff from Milwaukee is involved. We're going to hit the street. We're going to go out to the dangerous area, and we're going to go all over 
from New York, Milwaukee, San Francisco, Detroit. We're going to go to Cleveland. We're going to go and do. I have a few years to live in this, but I'm going to... I'm gonna die on my standing on my feet. Amen. Go out in a blaze, as they say. And in a blaze, right? <laughs> that's the only way to go. We are thrilled also that Nikki, you're going to be coming to the San Francisco Bay Area again. I want to remind listeners that Nikki Cruz will be here in the Bay Area Thursday, April the 21st at 7 p.m. He'll be speaking at uh, Christian Cathedral. That's at 2433 Coolidge Avenue in Oakland, and then on Sunday, April the 24th at 1 p.m. at Victory Outreach of Hayward. Complete details available on Nikki's website at nikkicruz.org. That's nikkicruz.org. Nikki. We sure appreciate the time. I am thrilled for the good report of uh, what you're seeing God do firsthand in both France and in Argentina, and I think much to be encouraged about here in America. And it's an important call, as you say, for for the church to get serious again, not only about our, our relationship with Christ, but to be bold in the proclamation of the good news of the gospel, because after all, there is a lost and dying world that's just out there searching for answers, and it's the duty, it's the responsibility responsibility of we as the church to get out there and share those answers with the lost and dying world, isn't it? Uh, let me say one thing. By the Lord, Jesus Christ bless Lifeline and bless the greatest men of the radio interview, Craig Robert. I have done so many interviews, but you was total accurate in your statements. And I and I pray that your ministry will go beyond because it's the Holy Spirit who's going to take you. Well, God bless you, Nikki. I appreciate the kind words. And again, I want to remind listeners to mark your calendars. Nikki Cruz coming to the San Francisco Bay Area. Two dates, Thursday, April the 21st in Oakland at Christian Cathedral. And then Sunday, April the 24th at Victory Outreach of Hayward. Details on the web at Victory Outreach's website, vooakland.org, or at Nikki Cruz's website at nikkicruz.org. That's nikkicruz.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. You know, if you go to the average bookstore, and I realize you have to hunt them down these days, but trust me, they still exist. If you go to the church growth section, a religious section, depending upon how your bookstore is organized, you'll find shelves there loaded with books on church growth. How to do it big, bold, brilliant, wide, and rapidly. But what if the idea of a section of books that took the opposite tenor, that instead of doing it big, bold, brilliant, wide, and rapidly, instead taught you how to do it slow, thoughtful, deep, and deliberate. You'd probably think the books were 90 to 100 years old, wouldn't you? I mean, after all, don't we live in a day and an age when everything that we do fast equates better? I mean, let, let's face it, we, we just, everything we do, the more that we can do, the more rapidly we can do it, that must be good. So if it applies to information, technology, food, cars, the internet, why not faith? Why not indeed? My guest tonight, I think, would argue that um, fast is not always better. In fact, there's much in terms of the history of the church that would demonstrate just the opposite, that the approach of being slow, thoughtful, deep, and deliberate also means a church that will be sustainable and a body of believers that will be deep in their faith, in their relationship with Christ. Christopher Smith 
is the editor of the Inglewood Review of Books and member of the Inglewood uh, Christian Church community outside of uh, Indianapolis, co-author of a new book called Slow Church, Cultivating Community in the Patient Way of Jesus. And uh, Chris, great to have you on the program. Thanks, Craig. It's good to be with you. I'm, I'm trying to think the the pitch to your publisher on this. Uh, <laughs> I, there's got to have been either a stack of rejections or a few people that thought, clearly this guy has either lost his mind or um, uh, needs to have a serious talk with, with somebody, um, some church growth expert, because we know in 2014, fast is just the only way to do it. Right. Yep. Um, actually, we were pretty fortunate. We found an editor that... Uh, like the idea um, from the very outset, and he basically coached us through the the whole the whole process. So uh, we were very fortunate to find find an editor who thinks outside the box. That thinking outside of the box, as much as it might seem to be uh, in terms of the way most of people that are involved in the church growth movement or have a heartbeat for all of this, is in fact not all that outside of the box, is it? In fact, I think oh, there's right. a lot of a lot of evidence to demonstrate historically that for the bulk of the history of the church, uh, that thoughtful, slow, deep, deliberate approach is exactly what uh, got the church from uh, the time of Christ to where we're at today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a long history of... of um, of patient persistence uh, in the Christian community. Uh, but it, it tends to be, like you said, kind of more underground. <laughs> Uh, not the mainstream of church history. This movement that we've seen, um, that, that seems as if, um, I don't know, it's, it's like franchising the kingdom of God like it were a McDonald's, you know. Sure, absolutely. Let's, let's put them up as quickly as we possibly can. I mean, nobody, got, and I'm not picking on McDonald's, but, but any fast food restaurant, no serious, thoughtful person who really is a foodie thinks of these locations as a spot for fine dining. We're going to um, walk away with a culinary experience. Uh, we, we know what they are for what they are. You want it fast. Fast, quick, uh, that's what you do, that you know that um, it's not going to be the kind of experience um, um, colonistically that you'll be thinking out above or, or sharing with others for years to come. Uh, it's seemingly just the opposite of what we want out of church, that we do want it to be something that is going to be deep and meaningful and hopefully profound and sustaining. Uh, and yet I'm, I'm wondering wherein lies then this, this creep toward doing it fast, equating better within the church. Well, I think it's coming from the larger culture. Uh, we've one of the things that we do in the book is kind of look at the history, look briefly at the history of industrialization uh, and kind of the technological growth over the last 200 years, um, basically during the industrial and now the post-industrial age. Um, and basically, one of the, the side effects of that sort of rise of industry, and there's been, I mean, there's been some great things that have come out of that industry. I mean, many people were uh, saved from really, really uh, hard, back-breaking work uh, through uh, the rise of industry. Uh, but, but one of the things that has happened as that has kind of continued to grow and grow and expand uh, globally is that there's kind of been an expectation for for speed and for convenience uh, that has kind of crept into all of life, um, as you mentioned, into the food we eat and how we eat it, and and also, uh, we argue in the book, into the way that we exist as churches. Um, and, and yeah, and we, I think it's mostly just kind of been uh, a lack of critical, critical thinking and acting um, in the ways that we engage the larger culture uh, that has kind of... Uh, and, it, and again, it's kind of slowly infiltrated our churches. Uh, as you said in your introduction, uh, the church growth movement played a big part in that. And certainly there was, I mean, there was a good intent 
uh, in the church growth movement uh, of trying to to grow ch- churches to spread the gospel of Christ and bring more people into in, into our churches. Those are wonderful and noble noble goals, but. But because of the culture of uh, industrialization, the culture of speed and efficiency, um, the, that, that movement uh, became focused more on the numbers than on the depth. Um, and and that's, uh, that's the point at which it started to kind of turn and uh, move in a direction that's not, not particularly helpful, we think. Well, and, and uh, you know, not not healthy, too, in a spiritual standpoint in a lot of ways. I mean, let's face it, at the core, um, all of this dialogue, whether we talk about outreach, evangelism, church growth, um, discipleship, all comes down to one core issue, and that is the business of relationships. Oh, uh, whether we're talking about building relationships interpersonally between uh, family members and husbands and wives and kids and so on and so forth, building relationships with strangers to love them to Christ, uh, ultimately toward the 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 penultimate goal of a restored relationship with the Creator Himself, which is, of course, what He sent His Son to do, that substitutionary work on the cross on our behalf, so that we might be reconciled into a restored relationship with Him. And yet, we look at the world around us, and if anything, it seems to be marked by the notion that lasting relationships are a thing of the past because we move so fast and and indeliberately and 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 without a lot of of thought or care and as much as that has been the hallmark of of changing the way relationships are then I get got to be a little bit scary thinking well my goodness if doing it rapid and and uh, um, big and bold has had an impact in, in so many ways on sustainability of relationships what does it say about the sustainability so to speak of our relationship with the very God himself. No, no doubt. And that's, uh, Craig, you've kind of hit on the reason that we actually chose the, the name Slow Church and not just uh, Slow Christianity or Slow Faith, um, but, but we very intentionally chose the, the, the language of Slow Church because what we believe, like you, for the reasons that you just stated, that uh, what God has been doing in the world and God continues to do in the world is, is largely centered around the gathering of a people. And this is something that began in Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And even Jesus, uh, when he started his ministry, uh, came of age and started his ministry, one of the first things that he did was to gather a community of disciples around him. And we believe that it's in community, in our churches, uh, that we that we can start to recover what it means to be in meaningful relationships um, if, if we're willing to slow down and be attentive to to what we've been called to be. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I think you're absolutely right that that relationship is at the heart of what, what God is doing in the world and what, what the, the heart of what we're called into as followers of Jesus. So there's a little literal troubling aspect to this, that this rapid results approach that we take today, and it's everywhere, it's pervasive everywhere within culture and and business and society, and of course it's crept into church, that it seems to be this focus on rapid results at the expense of long-term sustainability. And there's a number of layers in which this becomes very troubling, not only in terms of sustainability, for example, of a new church plant. How many churches come and go and come and go and come and go? And is that really the way God wants us to to do community if at the core the church is really about the neighborhood or the community? And then the other question is, if there is such a profound impact on the sustainability of church, how can we not... 
help but wonder whether or not that might have an impact on the sustainability of our relationship with God. Oh, not that he would flutter or fail, (laughs) but that we, from our perspective, might be just inclined to give up at a moment's notice. I mean, let's face it, largely in the westernized church, we're we're not really accustomed to pain or sacrifice or um, agony. In fact, we work very hard to avoid all of that. Which is curious because the Bible says much about suffering for our faith and persecution for his namesake. A lot more to talk about. Christopher Smith is with us today. He's co-authored Slow Church, Cultivating Community in the Patient Way of Jesus. We'll take a brief time out. In fact, let's not take it brief. We'll make it slow. (laughs) We've got traffic. Maybe you've got that slow experience in your life already today. Take a deep breath. And we'll return to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 